Hey, we're glad that you're here. If you're here for the very first time, uh, we just believe you're in the exact right spot that God would have you, that he knows about your life, he, he loves you, he cares about you, he has a great plan for you, and hopefully today as we go through the message and our response time a little bit later on in a service, that God would, you would encounter God and he would encounter you, and there would be a powerful moment today for you. I want to celebrate again if you weren't here. Uh, we did our one campaign last month, and the totals for our kickstart was $30,000 and committed right around $170,000. Can we give it up for God and just stirring hearts? Yeah. So if you missed that and you want to be a part of it and uh, jump on board, it's called the One Campaign. There's a brochure at the information table, and so grab a hold of that. I want to jump into the message today. We're talking about antidotes. Last week we talked about the antidote to worry, and today we're going to talk about the antidote to anger. And so, and, and it goes something like this. Let me just kind of set it up. Many of us, uh, I think all of us at some level or another, are infected by a disease or a poison that's constantly nagging at us and keeping us from who and what we're supposed to become. There's just something in us that affects us like that. It weakens us, it, it derails us, it distracts us, it causes all kinds of havoc sometimes in our lives. And so we need an antidote. We, we need something that can remedy or counteract the effects of this poison or this disease. That's what an antidote is, something that counteracts. And so in this series, we're, we're simply seeking to answer the question, what the what excuse me what's the antidote to things like worry anger and bitterness and all these are connected obviously so each week last week we talked about worry this week talking about anger next week talking about bitterness they all kind of interwove interweave themselves one to another here's the key text key text every week or every series we do a key text to help you put it to memory if you will and so this one is hebrews chapter 12 Verse 1, second part of verse 1 and the first part of verse 2, it says this. So, and, and it's interesting, when you read Scripture, and I just want to challenge you to do this as you're reading Scripture, to always consider the context of what's being said. The context of what's being said in this particular verse is following Hebrews chapter 11, which is, which is the idea of all these men and women of faith that, that survived and went through hard, difficult times and, and made it, and they faced all kinds of stuff. And so in light of that, that's this verse. So it says, so we must get rid of everything that slows us down. And, and so it's almost like, hey, these guys did it, we can do it. You know, that, that was the point. We, these guys made it, we can make it. But we got to get rid of some things. And, and so I was thinking about the word everything this week. We must get rid of everything. And, and I was just thinking that many of us have something, right? We've got something. I mean, there's something in our hearts, there's something in our lives that's causing us to be slowed down, as it says in the text. And then just a little bit later, it grabs a hold of us. But we just need to be willing to admit, hey, I've got something. I've, I've got some things in my heart that are causing me to maybe not become what God has created me to be fully. And it goes on, it says, especially... The sin or sins that just won't let go. You ever had that thing in your life? Maybe that, well, maybe you do. Maybe it's that thing that's been with you for 20 years. You know, maybe it's been with you just for a little while and you just can't seem to shake it. You know, it's kind of like that nagging cold. It just won't go away. And, and this is what we're talking about. How do, we, how do we find the antidote to that thing that just won't go away? Specifically, worry, anger, and bitterness. But how do we, how do we deal with that? 
And that goes on, it says, and we must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. In other words, God has already set a course for our lives, and we need to deal with some of these things that we might fulfill that, we might find that. It goes on, it gives how it happens. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. This whole thing, this whole series is about Jesus and his ability, not my ability. So we must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith, and say that last word with me, complete. He makes us complete. And so this whole thing that we're talking about isn't a matter of you getting better at handling life. It's you giving more to Christ and allowing him to work through you in a bigger way. And so right off the bat, we want to acknowledge that. So what's the point? The point is simply this. God wants us to be able to run the race that he has set for us. God has a race for you. God has a plan for you. God has a destiny for you. And he wants us to be able to run that. But before we can fulfill God's plan, we need to be free from the stuff in our lives that holds us back and won't let us go. We need an antidote. We, we need something that's going to counteract what's going on, something that's going to help us to get out of this slowing us down kind of thing and it keeping us from being complete. And so that's what this whole series is about. So last week, we explored the antidote of worry and anxiety. How many of you enjoyed that? Anybody? Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. I just need one hand to keep going on, you know. Uh, last week, we explored the antidote of worry and anxiety, which is trust, the antidote is trust, that I would trust God, and I would, I would figure out how to do that, not just cliche-ish, you know, I trust him, but I really trust him, I really give this to him, and we explored three ways that we can apply the antidote of trust, and the, these were the three, that we would have personal evaluation, in other words, we would take time to consider, why am I so worrisome? And then the next one was that we would aggressively eliminate. I actually had some conversations with people this week that were doing that. It was awesome that they were considering where they were and they were willing to make some tough decisions and eliminate some things, aggressively eliminate. And then the last one was daily execution. In other words, I got to live in today. I can't live in tomorrow. It's got problems of its own. I need to focus on fulfilling God's plan for my life right now. That was last week. So today, I want to focus on anger. Let me just raise a hand. How many of you have ever been angry? Okay. Again, we have people that lie at Southridge, and we're working through that. <laughs> we're working through that. You know, I realize every week when I ask questions and I ask for a hand raise, I, we need to do a series on lying. We just need to focus in on that. But anyway, so, so anger. You know, the studies show that, that over 50% of Americans struggle big time with anger. I mean, it's like an issue constantly just knocking them down, this anger idea. So what is anger? Let's just talk for just a second. Anger, definition-wise, is a strong, natural, emotional response. Okay, it's strong, it's natural, it's just part of how God wired us. Emotional response to, and this is where it's connected to, to a displeasing event or situation or even person, (laughs) you know? I mean, it can be connected to that. And so anger is usually focused in in one of three things. It's anger at ourselves. We do that. We just get angry at ourselves, and and, and that's kind of dangerous, and we'll talk about that in a second. We get, there's anger at others, you know, it's always them, you know, and then there's anger at our circumstances. And so usually it, it, it circles around one of those three arenas, if you will, ourselves, others, and circumstances. Anger, though, 
can be expressed in a couple different ways. I mean, you're thinking, wait a minute, you can express in all kinds of ways. It's, it's, we're going to talk about the two major ways. You know, so how is anger expressed? You know, you can, and I jokingly, you can, you can punch a door, you know. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but we have punch door people, you know, right? You know, kick a door, you know, kick a cat. That's my favorite. Kick a cat. Sorry, cat lovers. I don't like cats. <laughs> you can kick cats. It's okay. If you can catch them, they're fast. It's hard to kick them. But anyway, you know, so, so how is it? That, that wasn't part of my notes, but I just gave that there. So, so there's a couple different ways, you know, that are basics here. And the first one is healthy anger. There's actually anger that's healthy. Uh, in, a, in a more theological understanding, it's called righteous anger or holy anger. Jesus had this. We can have this. We can actually have a healthy anger. It's not, all anger is not bad. Some anger is actually very necessary. And so we need to realize that the goal isn't to get to the point where you have no anger. The goal is that you would have healthy anger if you have it. You know, and usually it's part of all of our lives. And so Jesus, he had that. He, he got anger, angry, you know, at different situations. As you read through the Gospels, you can see some of those. John 2, specifically, it says that Jesus went into the temple, and they had turned it into a marketplace, and he took a whip and started whipping people out of the temple in their market, flipping tables over. He was angry, and it was righteous, holy, healthy anger. And so there's points points and times when that's okay. At other times, Jesus was angry angry with, check this out, hypocrisy. Jesus was very, very angry with hypocrisy, that you would say one thing and be something else, that you would fake it. And he was angry with that. He was angry with spiritual laziness. He was angry, angry with unfruitfulness. He was angry, angry with doubt and unbelief. I mean, there's all kinds of things that righteous anger, healthy anger can be about. As long as it, it's expressed the right way. So healthy anger can be a signal to you that something in your environment isn't actually right. It's almost like a God alarm system in you. You can have that. God set that off. As I'm upset about this. And it's good if it's in this righteous, holy anger, healthy anger uh, scenario. And so what happens, and it, it captures your attention and it motivates you to take action to correct the wrong thing. You know, I mean, there's certain things in my life, as a pastor, there's certain things that happen that I get angry about because maybe people aren't being loved at the place and way I want them to be loved. That's a holy anger. It's not, I'm mad at people because it's not happening. I was like, oh, man, we got to do this better. we got we got to figure out how to love people. I mean, when I, whenever I get exposed to the, the idea and the tragedy of, of sex trafficking, it, it, there's something in me that gets fired up. I can't help it. I mean, it's this holy, righteous anger that I have to do something. And so as a church, many times we do. We, we get involved and try to help that. And give, we give towards it every month, actually. And so, so this health, healthy anger. But here's the, here's the truth. Most of us don't experience righteous anger or healthy anger. We experience unhealthy anger, the other side of it. Unhealthy anger. And we need an antidote. And unhealthy anger is responding to our anger emotions that are there. All of us have them in a negative or dangerous way. And there's three main ways. And there's other ones, but I think there's three main ones. And maybe you'll find yourself in one of these or maybe all of them. But here they are. Number one, or first one, is that frustration. And frustration is anger undone. 
In other words, I'm frustrated, but I can't seem to resolve the anger. I can't seem to resolve the displeasing event or situation in my life. I can't seem to get past this. And so there's this undone thing that's happened. It's frustration. And I think a lot of us know what that feels like. And when we constantly suppress our anger, and that's what happens many times, and our angry feelings, if you will, we become frustrated. And it shows up in a couple ways. Here's what it sh- how it shows up. It shows up as denial. I'm not mad, <laughs> but yet steam is flying out of your ears, right? <laughs> I'm not upset. Here, here's a classic one. doesn't bother me, <laughs> and it does. You, you can tell just how they respond and what's going on. Hey, I don't care, <laughs> man, when really you really do care. And it's this denial thing, and actually it's this anger that's undone, and it's frustrating. There's, it's, it's kind of boiling, actually, and it's stirring within us. Or, or here's the other side of it, and this is maybe the one that I've found myself in is is we disconnect because when frustration is there and anger and it's undone we don't know how to deal with it so we just bail out we just bail out of the situation we bail out of the relationship we bail out of the conversation we bail out of whatever it might be we just can't deal with it and it's this frustration thing it's very unhealthy and so many times that's what happens. The fact about this, though, is this. No matter how we choose to respond to anger, it always and will always come out in some shape or form. It's, it's going to come out. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. So, so the first one, frustration is anger undone. Here's, here's another one, unhealthy anger, is depression. Is anger turned inward? Anger turned inward. So frustration kind of grows, if you will, in this undone denial and disconnect, but it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. Because I, I, I kind of keep turning this thing inwardly, and what happens, and this is a very common thing, is that most of the time when you, when you look into depression, what's going on, it's because anger hasn't been resolved. Anger with myself, anger with others, anger with my circumstances. I can't seem to get past that. And I've turned it inwardly, and I'm, I'm, I'm angry with myself, my past, my failures, and it's causing a lot of problems. It's unhealthy. Here's, here's the last one, and it kind of, it, notice the progression here. It's violence. Is anger turned aggressive? It's turned aggressive. Again, going back to kick the cat, right? Now I'm actually physically doing something. I'm, I'm, there's, there's, there's violence that's part of this. And so we see a violent world around us right now. We live in a very violent world. It's be, and, we, and, and anger, when it's turned aggressive, that's what it looks like. I mean, it's many times we don't think somebody's angry until that point, but really it happened way before that. There was other things happening. And so we, what happens then is we want to hurt people, and hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people, and angry people are hurt people. And so it's this vicious cycle that continues to happen, and it's all because of this unhealthy anger that we're wrestling with on the inside. And so this idea of being healthy or unhealthy is a big deal. It's not a matter of am I going to get rid of my anger. It's how am I going to respond to the things that I'm facing in life. How am I going to deal with that? So maybe... You are jokingly known as a hot-headed person. Don't look around right now. Just look right up here. Maybe you are hot-tempered. That's how people would know you. Or fiery. Or opinionated. Or hard to get along with. Or intense. Or crabby. Or like in our house, it's called your hot fire. (laughs) That's what we use. 
right? Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe that's you. That's the description of who you are. And it's kind of a smile on your face. Yeah, I'm hot-tempered. And, and by the way, I used to hide behind my hot-temperedness. as That's just who I am. Deal with it, you know, which was an excuse. I was denying the reality of what was really going on inside of me. And, and the reality is this. If, if the title fits of what I just shared, maybe you are experiencing unhealthy anger, and it's really no joke at all. If, if that's really who you are, it's probably affecting you, even if you realize it or not, in some very destructive ways, and you're not even aware of it, that maybe this is happening. So here, I was thinking about me and, and just sharing a little bit of my story. I, I battled anger since I was a little kid. I've always been hot-headed. I always had, my mom said when I was a little kid, I always had to have the last word. I mean, you know, even if the last word was just a good slamming of the door. Come on, somebody. Right? You guys, yeah. So you're not, yeah, I know that, yeah. That's how I grew up. You know, I, I mean, I was, it, it, and it got me in a lot of trouble as a kid. I mean, you know, got me, I got a lot of spankings for being hot-tempered and, and, and just angry. You know, I didn't even know why I was angry. I was just mad. It was just part of who, and I was, there was an unhealthiness about it. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. And then when I, I, I became a teenager, it, it didn't get better. It got worse because the progression happened. You know, I mean, early it was the slamming doors and mouthing off and doing all kinds of crazy things as a kid. But I became more aggressive in my anger. I would fight. I would get in physical fights all the time. I mean, I, I, I fought a lot. I mean, it would just, it, I would enjoy getting in fights because it was like I could... I could do this anger thing, and it kind of seemed a little cool to get, you know, beat somebody up or something. And then, and then it kind of emerged, and it went to the point where it became more destructive because my anger actually evolved into drug addictions. I was angry. I was angry at the world. I was angry at myself. And one way to deal with anger is try to drug it and live a wild life. And that, that's what I did. And then I even got into vandalism. I mean, I used to always wonder, why do I... Why do I want to do vandalism as a, as a kid, you know. I mean, what, what's up with that, you know. I mean, just crazy stuff like that. And all that was resulting in this idea of unhealthy anger. Now, you would think, oh, well, you gave your life to Christ, your anger disappeared, right? Wrong. <laughs> I gave my life to Christ, and it changed. It changed because I realized that being a Christian and vandalizing your town and your school and all these other things is not cool, Right? I just realized that. But the issue that was in my heart was still there. And so what I had to do then at that point is I realized that I couldn't respond how I normally had responded with drugs and alcohol and violence. So I, I couldn't do that. It, but yet there was still something stirring in me. So what happened, and this is my story, is that I became more and more depressed. I mean, it became depression and it became disconnected. I didn't, I didn't want to engage even if it was in my own home, because a lot of times I was frustrated and angry because of what was going on in my home, which was a lot of times because of me, right? I mean, it was got this vicious cycle thing. And so all of this compiling together was unhealthy in dealing with and responding to the circumstances that was displeasing in life. And so I'm just sharing that to let you know, hey, I think we all struggle with this. So this is a battle. So here's, here's a few thoughts. When... What we tend to do 
when it comes to unhealthy anger. This is what we tend to do, all right? Here, here's one. <clears throat> one is we tend to jump too quickly. That's what we tend to do. Just jump. We just, we just jump. We, we are quick to over-respond, and we react without thinking, and we become extreme in our response. We're, that's what we tend to do. You know, that's, that's, you know, I heard a story of road rage this week. I'm like, what in the world is that? I mean, somebody's going to jump out of their car, get in a fist fight in the middle of the street. <sighs> that's jumping. I mean, that's like, you know, obviously it was building, but man, something was seriously wrong in that story. Here's, here's the second one, is we allow it to grow. Unchecked anger it grows into more destructive behavior. In other words, it compounds itself. It doesn't, it doesn't diminish, diminish and dissipate in time. It actually just kind of keeps increasing, and it gets this compounding effect. This interest, if you will, is building around this idea of my anger, and it tends to, and we allow it to grow. Here's the, here's the third thought. is we tend to, when it comes to unhealthy anger, is we desire to control too much. Control and anger are very closely related. Matter of fact, they're, they're brother and sister maybe. I'm trying to control everything, and because I can't control everything, I get angry. And because it's not working out the way I want it to work out and what I want it to become, it, it all goes haywire. And so we jump, we allow it to grow, and we desire to control. So let me, let me just talk for a moment about one of the stories in Scripture that I think highlights this thought. Okay, there's 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 a lot of stories in Scripture about anger, healthy anger, and unhealthy anger, and how it affected people and nations and and lives and families. All kinds of stories, but I just want to highlight one of them, and it's Moses in Numbers chapter twenty. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to kind of tell you the story and then highlight a couple of verses. But Moses, in a moment of anger, lost a great opportunity. In a moment of anger, he lost it. In other words, he couldn't get it back, and it just was gone. And so here, here's the story, the backgrounds here. So Moses, you, you kind of know the story, right? He, he came to Egypt and set the Israelites free, and, and they had been set free from slavery, and now they were on their way, if you will, to the promised land. They were, they were en route. They were traveling. How many know that many times the greatest moments for anger is when you're traveling? <laughs> right? <laughs> they were traveling. And so as they were traveling and moving along in life, you know, tempers were flaring. Things were happening. So, and, and on top of that, not only were they traveling, but Moses' sister, Aaron's sister, had just died. So now not only is it I'm going somewhere, traveling, I've got a death in a family. I mean, things are happening. You know, and, and then the rest, it keeps going, it builds, and, and it gets worse. There was no water. <laughs> they, they couldn't find any water, so they're all thirsty. So, you know, traveling, man, death in the family, the kids are crying, I need some water, I'm dying, give me a Gatorade now, I mean, I mean it's got to, you know, right now. And so it's just building, and, and, and it's getting frustrating for the people and for Moses and everybody involved. And, and then, then the people were getting upset. They weren't just no water. Now they're getting mad. They're, they're expressing their madness. They're, they're responding. They're responding to Moses. And, it's happening. and they were quarreling. They started fighting about, if you wouldn't have brought us out here, we wouldn't be in this place. If you didn't take us on this trip, we wouldn't have this situation. If you, you, you. I mean, they were just quarreling over past decisions. 
Sound familiar? <laughs> and so they were going through all this. And so Moses and Aaron did what we all need to do. They went to the Lord. Numbers chapter 20, 1 through 13. They went to the Lord. And they sought the Lord. They said, Lord, what do we do about this? What's the answer? And God responded to them. And God answered them. And and really what he was doing, he said, here's how I want you to respond. Here's what I want you to do. And really what he was telling Moses to do was to demonstrate God's character to the people in the difficult moment. This is a moment. Moses, you have a moment. Here's here's a moment that they can see more clearly who I am and how I work and what I do. In the midst of this travel and the death of a family member and all these different things, you have a moment, Moses, to reveal and demonstrate my character. And so so that's what the Lord said to him. Here's the verse. This is what God said to Moses. Chapter 20, verse 7. As that people watch... As the people watch a demonstration, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out this water. And God had already done a similar thing before. Out of a rock came water. But once again, God is revealing himself. In the midst of this struggle, in this displeasing moment, God is revealing himself. And so God gives them instructions. As the people watch, just speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out water. God's going to do a miracle. God's going to do something really powerful in this difficult moment. But here's what happened. Moses said and did something totally different. He, he, He went the other direction. He reacted and responded in a different way, and unhealthy anger came about, and it was totally different than what the Lord wanted. Listen to what he said. It says, Numbers chapter 20, verse 10, Second part of verse 10 and, and 11 says, listen, <laughs> you rebels, <laughs> right? Let me, let me give you the paraphrase. Listen, you idiots, quit talking in the car, <laughs> right? <laughs> Some of you laugh like you've done that before. <laughs> listen, you losers, listen. You, you know, I mean, he, he is making it very personal really fast. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. I mean, he was just, yeah, you know, he's just mad. He goes on, must we, all of a sudden God's not even part of the picture, must we bring you water from this rock? And then Moses raised his hand, I oughta, you know, raised his hand, he struck the rock twice. He struck the rock twice with the sap, and, and the water gushed out. God still was willing to do what, he said he was going to do, even though Moses had responded poorly. Sometimes God's grace still covers. So here's a couple thoughts real quick. See, God was wanting Moses to demonstrate his compassion. But Moses was full of anger and couldn't get there. God was wanting the moment to be something really cool, but instead it became something really ugly. And see, some of us, that's where we're at. We need to somehow realize we've got moments that that God might want to do something. And so Moses was attacking the people and overestimating himself in the midst of the displeasing situation. He was making it all about him and all about them, and it just got lost in what was going on. And instead of speaking compassionately, he was aggressively striking. And the result, here's the result. I, I didn't throw the verse in your notes, but basically is this. Moses was unable to enter into the promised land. God said, because of this, 
because of your unhealthy anger, because of your disobedience, because of what is you re, how you responded, you won't experience what everybody else is going to experience. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. Very sad day, I think, for Moses. He'd taken him so far, God said, and it was all because of anger. It was all because of this unhealthy anger. He, his anger cost him everything, really. His anger was limiting his ability to move forward. He couldn't even run the race now because of unhealthy anger. So I think that's just a really good story for us to look at before we get into kind of the last part of this message. And here, so what does that all mean, okay? What is the antidote to anger? Last week, the antidote to worry was trust. The antidote to anger, it's kindness. It's kindness. But some people say, I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like them. You know, it's kindness. Somehow I've got to have a heart change in the middle of my situation that allows me to get to this place where I have the antidote available to make a difference. So, and by the way, it's not suppressing your feelings or anger management. I thought about finding a clip from the movie Anger Management and showing how that's not it, all right? The antidote is found in how I respond out of my heart to others, just like Moses. It's how I respond out of my heart. I mean, there's, it starts first and foremost in the heart because of kindness and because of value. And by the way, like the Lord, we are to respond out of compassion, which compassion has to do with value. I value you. I value the person that is in the car with me. I value the person at work. I value you. I, you're valuable. That's, compassion has to do with value. Mercy and grace has to do with giving what is undeserved or not giving what is deserved. It's like the Lord. Or, or love. I'm supposed to love. And all these have to do with this idea, which has to do with tenderness. And by the way, here's the scripture. Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Notice the little phrase in between this, slow to get angry. It's almost the antidote is right there mixed in together. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. So somehow the kindness of the Lord needs to come alive in me. So so how do we apply the antidote? Let's apply it for a few minutes here. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Everybody said, is that possible? (laughs) Right? Yes. Again, there's holy anger, there's righteous anger, right? In my anger, or how do I, in my anger, not sin? And so let me give you three things, all right, to apply the antidote. Here's the first one. Choose to be calm before it happens. And by the way, these are things that in my own personal journey of dealing with anger in my own life, I've walked and am walking through applying them to my life. Choose to be calm before it happens. Before we get mad, we need a fight plan. We need a game plan. Sometimes the antidote to anger is simply having a calming strategy before the heat of the game. I've got to choose before I get there how I'm going to respond. I've got to choose how I'm going to respond. When crazy happens, what's going to be my my response? Am I going to go with it and let the emotions get a hold of me, or am I going to respond a different way? Because I need to choose to respond with kindness, not harshness. I need to choose to respond with love, not a lecture. Mom and dad... I need to choose to respond that way. I'm going to choose to be calm. And see, see, some people have no regard for others. It goes back to that whole value thing. And function more like gasoline on a fire. In other words, you're stirring it up instead of calming it down. 
And you choose that. I mean, you're, you're choosing this. And so here's a verse. Verse is Proverbs 29, verse 8. It says, people with no regard for others, again, it goes back to this kindness idea, can throw whole cities into turmoil. Those who are wise keep things calm. They keep things calm. Out of regard for others, I choose calm. Here's another thought. So, so we need a game plan for calming, not stirring. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, has this idea that choose to respond with gentleness. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then here's another idea with this choosing to be calm. is choosing to be calm is choosing restraint because anger grows with no restraint. So here's the verse, Proverbs 29, verse 11. Fools give full vent to their rage. In other words, they just let emotions go wild. Do whatever my emotions are saying. But when there's restraint, there's an opportunity for calm. Fools give vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. And if we go into every situation with no restraint, we are being foolish and allowing our emotions to totally take charge of how we respond. It's not healthy. It's actually destructive. And so we need to choose to be calm with the Lord's help. Number two is we need to limit the opportunities for anger to grow. Limit the opportunities for anger to grow. In other words, don't allow any room for anger to have a root, if you will. Which, by the way, leads to next week when we're talking about bitterness. Don't, don't give it any room. And what that means is simply this, that I need to deal with the stuff as soon as possible. I need to deal with the stuff as soon as possible. Don't wait for it to grow or develop into something more. And let me just give a very specific word to husbands and wives. If you allow your response to anger in your relationship as a couple to always be frustration, eventually it's going to come back and bite you. It will. So here's here's the truth. The truth is simply this, is I have to be aggressive in dealing with the stuff in my relationship that are that's frustrating up front. I can't I don't want to wait and wait and wait. I need to be aggressive with it. I need to have the conversation. I need to say, can we talk? I need to I need to deal with these things. Because I can't let or, or or allow this thing to grow. Because when it grows, it doesn't become more beautiful, it becomes more destructive. So I've got to limit the opportunities. Check out the verse here, Ephesians chapter 4. It says, if you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin. And do not stay angry all day. Do not, don't give the devil a chance. So again, as you have things and moments that come up, don't just say, oh, it doesn't matter. It does matter. Deal with it. Try to, try to have the conversation. Try to have that compassionate, kind, calm conversation. Try, try to be there because it, otherwise I'm giving room to it. And by the way, this might be the biggest problem we need to deal with when it comes to anger, that we have allowed it to build and build to the point that it seems out of control and the poison takes over in our relationships and our minds and our thoughts and our attitudes. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm depressed, I'm disconnected, or worse, I hate you, I'm bitter, I'm going to get even. I mean, it just gets ugly really quick. And so I've got to limit the opportunities for it to grow. I've got to be intentional about that. Here's the third one. Is practice the art of slowing. Of slowing. Say it with me. Slowing. (laughs) Right? 
It's hard for us because we're so fast. We're, we're, our pace is so fast. It's just hard for us to slow. This one thing has actually helped me more than anything else. It's just slowing. Check out what it says in James chapter 1. It says, remember this, my dear friends. Everyone must be quick to listen, but slow to speak and slow to become angry. Slow, slow, slow. Notice what it says then. Human anger, that unhealthy anger, does not achieve God's righteous purpose. In other words, I, I can still have healthy anger, but I can't get lost in this, in, in, in this other anger. And a lot of times it's because of the slowness or the lack thereof of slowness. So most of people experience the pain of unhealthy anger because we've never learned how to slow. Let me give you three real quick steps. I don't have them in your notes, but you can write them down if you want to. Three steps to slow down. First one is clarify. Clarify. This is very practical. Very, 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 very practical. So what that means is when you're in the midst of a situation, you're going to find out what's really happening. What are you really saying? What's really going on? Not what I perceive to go on. How many times have you gotten mad and then you realize after you got mad, oh, I was mad about the wrong thing. That wasn't even happening. Right? So you've got to clarify. You've got you to slow down and clarify what's really happened. Listen first, not last. Don't respond and then listen. Listen first. So quick to listen. Here's the second one. So clarify. Push pause. Pause. This is one that saved, saved me many, many times. I just push pause. Because here's what would happen, and I'm just going to share again from my own story. I would get so emotionally charged, I could feel my emotions just start to go nuts. I mean, I'm like, like I'm buzzing. And if I would even just open my mouth at that time, it would be like lightning bolts. Not in a good superhero way either. It would be this ugly picture of me responding out of just pure emotion. And I knew that I had to somehow, with God's help, slow that down. So I had to push the pause button. So I, literally, I had, I had to wait a few moments before I would respond. I, I, I needed to take a breath. I needed to take a walk. I, I, I needed to ask myself or give myself a moment to say, what I want to say, is it really worth saying? I even had to. This is one I do. Jennifer's not in here right now. But... She'll still love me. I had to close my eyes. I had to close my eyes. And here's why I had to close my eyes. Because when I would notice or look into somebody's face that had this disgusting, mad look at me, I would take it personal. And again, it would become that you, you bunch of rebels, you losers, you idiots thing. It got right back in that situation. But if I close my eyes, okay, we're all right. We're all right. I can't see you. <laughs> and it's better this way. <laughs> Right? I mean, so, so we have to push the pause button. And, and sometimes you even have to ask for a timeout. Timeout. I do this in the office all the time. I'll just say this because I can tell I want to respond really quickly. And I'll just say something. Can I think about that for a while? Can, can I just have some time to think about that? Because I, I don't want to respond. And I'll just say it just like that. Can I have some time to think about this? It's okay. Because I'm pushing the pause button. I'm learning to slow. I'm going to get clarity. I'm going to push the pause button. And then here's the third one. 
is I'm going to speak clearly and calmly. Speak clearly and calmly. I'm not going to scream. (laughs) I'm not going to growl. (laughs) I'm going to speak calmly. It's amazing what, what will happen when you speak calmly. You know, you can say very strong words in a very calm way, in a very clear way, that does not excite more anger. It's an amazing process, but you got to slow. you got to get some clarity. you got to be willing to push the pause button, and you got to speak clearly and calmly. So for me, this simple little process has been huge. And as I ask the Lord, Lord, help me to do this more and more. Help me to learn the art of slowing to not respond so quickly, to not jump in these directions that always cause me problems. So I want to challenge you this week. Can you try one of these this week? Just try one. Try one. I mean, obviously, choose to calm. Limit your opportunities. But in the area of practice slowing, can you choose to just simply ask the question? Now, let me get it straight. What, what are we exactly talking about here? Calm. Clarity. Or, or maybe pushing the pause button. You know, all of a sudden you're in the middle of a conversation. You say, I got to go for a walk. <laughs> right? I mean, you, you just choose one of them. Try it. See what, what happens. It might change some things. So as I close, imagine your life, your family, your marriage without the effects of destructive, unhealthy anger. Just imagine that for a second. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if life isn't always a reaction to the last fight? Wouldn't it be great if it didn't every every time you walk into a, a relational moment feel the tension? Wouldn't it be great if you actually could feel like the people that you're doing life with are compassionate as you're being compassionate, that it's actually happening the way it's supposed to? Wouldn't that be great? I think it would. I think most of us said, sign me up for that. I want to be a part of that. And so here's what I'm asking you to do is to make a fresh commitment today. Maybe you've never made the commitment. Maybe you've never made a commitment at all to even re- even remotely thinking about your anger. But to make a fresh commitment today to Jesus. Not to you because it's not about you making it happen. It's about Jesus making it happen through you. He's the one that brings the completion. So I'm going to make a, a new commitment, a fresh commitment to Jesus and say, Lord, help me. And I'm going to give you four things. Here's the help me things to allow kindness to flow through me. Lord, I make a commitment. Lord, may your kindness flow through me. I know I got difficult situations. I got difficult people. I got stupid all around me. I know that's happening, but help me to be kind to it. Help me to be kind for your kindness to flow through me. Secondly, Lord, I make, a, I make a fresh commitment to you, Jesus, for you to help me to choose to be calm before it happens. I'm going to choose right now to be calm. I'm not, I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm saying, Lord, I'm choosing that. Would you help me in the moment to do it? The third one is that, Lord, I want to make a fresh commitment to limit the opportunities for anger to grow. Lord, I'm not going to keep stirring it up. I'm going to start dealing with it. I'm going to start dealing with it. I'm not going to keep being frustrated and in denial or disconnected. I'm going to deal with it. I'm not going to try to run away from it. I'm going to try to walk into it and say, Lord, let's do this. To limit the opportunities. And here's the last is a fresh commitment to the practice of our, of slowing. Slowing. 
Let's bow our heads. Maybe today, as you're here, as we wrap up this message on anger, maybe you don't have that that relationship with Jesus that's going to get this whole thing started. And I want to invite you to have a personal relationship with him. He's actually here today to do life with you. Actually, the whole reason Jesus stepped into humanity so that he could do life with you, to provide an answer for our sinful situation, our desperately broken sinful situation. And maybe that's the point that you need to start right now. And see, some of you have been battling the effects of unhealthy anger in your lives for years. And Jesus, Jesus, a relationship with Jesus is the one who can lead you and make you complete. The sad reality of it is you don't even have a chance without Jesus. It's just going to keep repeating itself again and again. He's the one that makes it happen. And all he asks is that you would accept him by faith. Just accept him. Say, Lord, I accept you. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your love, even though I don't deserve it. I accept your plan, even though I think I got my plan. Lord, I accept you. And that you and I would simply come to him and say, Lord, I'm broken and I need you more than anything. I want a personal relationship with Jesus. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me right now? Yeah, yeah. Lord, I pray today, Father, for every hand that's raised and for every commitment that has been made that, God, you would solidify it by your spirit. Lord, your word says that by faith we are made right with you. Lord, as we trust in you and we commit ourselves to you, God, you do the miracles. Lord, you make the water flow out of the rock. You're the one that makes it happen. And so, Lord, we invite you to come and forgive us and renew us and strengthen us and give us just that incredible sense that, Lord, you want to have me be healthy in you. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.